This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. To our next guest, Aubrey Ruby, who is the co-founder of the Africa Experience Network. Aubrey is a longtime friend of the Wharton Social Impact Initiative. We have your best-selling, award-winning book in our office, so we're delighted to see you again. Welcome. Welcome, Aubrey. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Excellent. We just wrapped up a conversation about, you know, uh, matching young professionals with organizations of need in Africa. So a great, and the United States. And the United States, yes. yes. So a gr- great opportunity to pivot. You are the co-founder of the Africa Experience Network, among many other distinguished titles surrounding your expertise in that area. But tell us, you co-founded an organization. What was the, the sort of need that was unmet for which you created this organization? Sure. So I've spent my entire career trying to solve a, a simple problem, which is uh, we know that 80% of global growth is going to come out of emerging markets, and much of that will come from African markets uh, at the frontier of global growth. And meanwhile, uh, 80% of global capital still sits in North, Amer- North America. And you would think that minute, much of it would flow to match the opportunity, but there's a trust gap. And so I've been spending my career trying to f- attack that trust gap in a variety of ways. And if you bake down the trust gap, it kind of falls into what I see as three categories. The first being a lack of data on opportunities mm-hmm. on the continent, so you're not able to assess the risk properly. The second being a um, lack of a network. People don't know who to work with. And then thirdly, lack of visibility. The uh, opportunities are invisible to the capital. So we founded the Africa Expert Network um, in 2014 to bridge at least the first two of those things, which is to provide data and network. So it operates like any expert network. We connect investors to experts across the continent. We have... 500 experts across 30 markets and all different sectors, operational experience. So if you want to find out the average acidity of a Kenyan tomato because you're interested in investing in a ketchup factory, it's not something you can easily Google. Google. (laughs) So you have to find someone who knows that. Um, And it's difficult sitting in, say, Chicago to find a tomato expert in Kenya. So that's what we do. We connect um, the investors or the companies with needs for data and network with the right people on the continent. So, Aubrey, can you tell us about a, uh, as you think about your work, um, whether this is in the network or outside the network, but tell us about some success stories about investors who have found good opportunities, you know, made investments and made investments that have made a difference that you think that's what we need to see more of. Sure. So I'll take a couple examples. The first uh, in the realm of FDI, foreign direct investments. So you can, I spent most of uh, 2013 working on a major investment by Procter and Gamble in Nigeria. They created a um, di- diaper production facility, which is actually a good business to be in. Oh, yeah. The average Nigerian woman still has 5.2 children. Um, and so in a population that's looking to double and be larger than the U.S. Uh, by 2030. So diapers is a good business to be in. And it obviously affects women. Uh, one of the first things that uh, women want to buy, especially when they go into the workforce, is diapers. So, uh, and it created a good uh, 300, 400 jobs directly in the factory and then outside of the factory through a variety of distributors, you're talking into the thousands of jobs. So very exciting and, and interesting project. And that's just the beginning of PNG's uh, investments in Nigeria in particular. 
Another thing that's very exciting that I'm seeing is uh, a lot of interest in African entrepreneurs and startups. Um, so there's a company in Nigeria also called Cars 45, mm. started by a Nigerian entrepreneur. And uh, in the last, let's say, year and a half, they raised a Series A of uh, $5 million, a Series B of 50, $58 million, and uh, they've just had an add-on investment by Naspers out of South Africa. But their Series A and Series B both had a lot of U.S. Uh, investors out of the valley. And it's a very interesting uh, company. It basically is creating a Kelly Blue Book, a Jiffy Lube, and a Cars.com for Nigeria all in one package. So... You're seeing a lot of excitement on on the venture end. Yeah, and let's talk a little bit about the you know what it looks like. So when you're talking about investments like this, a process that we've seen as prohibitive when you're looking at emerging markets investments is the what they call the due diligence process, which for our listeners who aren't familiar is doing your homework on the company. Do I like this? You know, the leadership team is this a real market? Do they seem stable? What does the competitive landscape look like? How how do you guys work with these investors in the valley to facilitate a more efficient diligence process because I think data network and visibility are all you know necessary ingredients to a good diligence process yeah so we do do work in helping companies do due diligence um, you know there's kind of different categories of due diligence you definitely want have you want to have auditors come in and look at their books we're not doing that part you can get PwC or KPMG or any of the big four to, that are on the ground and have huge offices and presence in African markets to do that piece what we're doing is more who are the who are the people you're working with, who are the mm-hmm. local partners, what kind of risks are you facing, uh, reputational and otherwise, and helping them find the data. So um, it is there. Thankfully, uh, the the markets are maturing to a point where there are service providers like my company and others who who provide these type of services and data. Um, you know, we talked about Africa, African markets being kind of a data desert about four or five years ago. And now I think that's changing. There are groups who are working. Uh, Frame is an interesting company. Asoko Insight is an interesting company. And they're all doing, uh, they're gathering data in unique ways. Frame is doing it geospatially and layering different uh, levels of, of uh, household surveys to produce a geospatial kind of market mapping. And then uh, Asoko is doing it door to door to door. They're sending people across uh, the continent, knocking on doors and understanding companies that don't necessarily have a web presence and that are privately owned. And then we do it a different way as well, where we use an expert network where we connect people to experts who know these exact things, the market size, et cetera. So Aubrey, for our listeners, I'm sure many of our listeners have never been to Africa and uh, you know are interested in business, but are not thinking. You know, are, are maybe wondering like, "Whoa, this is a huge continent. What should I understand about business in Africa?" And I'm wondering if there's a particular location, city, country that you think you'd be surprised by this for people who have not traveled as widely as you have. Yeah, I mean, I think first of all, the great, it is a continent. Um, the great diversity is, is striking, um, uh, from the different places. Um, and so you have Nigeria, which is a very large, dynamic country, uh, led by Lagos, which if Lagos itself, uh, was a country, it would be the fifth or sixth largest uh, economy on the continent. So it's a 20 million person city teeming 
big, and then you have, you know, compare that to say a Rwanda, which is a very small country comparatively, but clean, orderly, uh, easy to do business in. So uh, you have a great diversity. Uh, I think the thing that most Americans would be um, surprised by is just how young the continent is. Mm-hmm. Um, you have. of the population are under the age of 15. 70% of the populations are are under the age of 30. So you have a very young, dynamic, fast-growing, tech-enabled environment. And that's pretty true across countries, big and small. Excellent. We are coming, we're in the last two minutes of our segment, and I like the myth-busting angle we're taking here because I think, um, you know, as you talk about the trust gap, it's important for people to just have exposure to conversations like this so that they, you know, think differently about opportunities. What is one other, you know, big myth you'd like to bust and perception you'd like to change about Africa? Sure. I think uh, you can never talk about Africa without being asked about corruption and this kind of inextricable linkage between African markets and corruption is is something I've been attacking for years. Um, I've been doing business in the region for 18 years and have been doing that cleanly and without a problem. And, you know, yes, it can be a challenge, but it can be a challenge in other markets as well, say Russia and Eastern Europe, um, Latin America, East Asia. So it's just unfortunate that in the kind of mindset um, and the dialogue, the narrative we have had around African markets that corruption plays an unworthy and um, overlarged role. Got it. Great. Excellent. Well, this is, I think, very helpful for our listeners. If they want to learn more, where do they go? Uh, they can find me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to help uh, listeners, but they can also check out my book. It's called The Next Africa. And I also write regular column for the Financial Times. Um, and, you know, I think good business news on Africa can be found on, at, at Quartz. I like Quartz as Africa uh, reporting quite well. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Aubrey, for coming and giving us a little bit of information. Certainly, there's a lot more, and we hope our listeners check out those resources. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.